0: Hey team, you're about to experience my interview with Lance O'Wide from BigCommerce. Lance is the general manager of B2B at BigCommerce, and he is largely responsible for plotting the direction of all the B2B functionality found within BigCommerce. We had a fantastic conversation, and we covered topics such as how the integration of Bundle B2B into Big Commerce Core is going, how their acquisition of B2B Ninja has been incorporated into the platform as well, and what their vision really is for B2B on big commerce. And if we look out across the next couple of years, why they have put such a big emphasis on B2B as part of core platform functionality. Enjoy. Welcome to B2B Commerce Corner. Commerce Corner is a subseries of the E-commerce Edge podcast discussing all things B2B commerce through the lens of agencies, consultants, merchants, and more. Enjoy Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have another, I have hopefully have another banger lined up for you guys today. I am super stoked, super excited, super pumped to welcome Lance O'Wide. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Jason. I'm an avid listener of the pod, so I'm excited to be on the other side of the mic this time and not not just listening in.
0: Yeah, and look, it's the second time we've been able to feature Big Commerce, the umbrella product company technology platform on the podcast. We last had Fiona Norton on from Big Commerce, and we had her on back in July of 2021. So, almost exactly two years ago, we had her on, and we had her on when you guys had officially just released the Big Commerce B2B addition and you are now director business groups and GM of b2b at big commerce so I'm guessing that this has been quite the journey for BC since they acquired bundle b2b and b2b ninja look anytime you acquire a third-party technology try to integrate it into the core try to integrate the people the process the tech the data look it's a big it's a big effort to digest these third-party businesses into the platform so I'm guessing you have had your hands full of for the last couple of years?
1: Yes, yes, we have. As you said, in, in 2021, we launched B2B edition. It was a partner-powered product. It was a white-labeled Bundle B2B. And then about a year after that, pretty much, we acquired Bundle B2B. We also acquired B2B Ninja around the same time. And we've been bringing those products into the core of BigCommerce. And my background is actually in private equity and M&A integration. So that's where I come from. You quite rightly said, it is not easy. There's a Harvard stat, Harvard Business Review stat that everyone likes to throw out. 90% of acquisitions fail to realize the value that the initial project thought that they would be able to create from the acquisition. I think we're in the 10% here, clearly by by far, right? When we launched B2B edition back in, in 2021, I don't think even we anticipated quite how popular it would be. And then it, within, the, within a year, we'd spun up two to 300 stores. And purchase the products. We're now at over 900 stores that are running B2B edition on Big Commerce and after a year, it became an absolute no brainer that we need to be- needed to bring the products in-house so that we could turbocharge our development on the B2B side in an area that manufacturers and distributors, they are coming online pretty much faster than any other sector and Big Commerce, we are prime positioned to take advantage of that with the platform that we have and with B2B edition on top. To turbocharge that growth and so we closed that acquisition of bundle b2b just over a year ago we've been working on a number of product improvements also on integration so anyone who's used is using the platform will know that we've integrated support we're actually just about to integrate all of the knowledge base documentation you go through one support channel one knowledge base the team is now fully integrated reports into big commerce support and big commerce product we think of it really as a almost as a micro service. If you think of big commerce, we're open SaaS, that's our philosophy, and we've built the product as a set of microservices, whether that's car, checkout, etc. B2B is really just another micro service that sits in that suite that you can use. And so now we are aligned across the whole business with B2B as one of our as one of our core strategic pillars
0: and what i i guess i've always appreciated respected and loved about big commerce long before you ever had your b2b edition and look i'm going to be really transparent here i'm a big commerce partner i've worked with big commerce for many years i think i'm going on i think my seventh or eighth year now working with the big commerce team maybe even longer than that and since i've started up my independent consultancy i've been i've been very privileged and felt very privileged to be a part of quite a few big commerce projects now with on behalf of clients and working with clients in conjunction with big commerce and implementation partners and agencies. And so I, I guess I've seen the evolution of the platform over this time, and it has been a pretty significant evolution. But what I guess I've always liked about the platform versus some of maybe their competitors is the fact that you've always had certain components of the platform that were sort of b2b ready right you've always at the enterprise level you've always had customer groups you've always had price lists you've always had there's you've always had the concept of store credit you've always had you've always had some of these functionalities out of the box that facilitate b2b implementations or b2b specific implementations and but i guess to your point you recognized even as even internally you recognized there was still some gaps in the platform for some of those more complex B2B specific use cases that you said, hey, we're great and we do lots of things wonderfully for B2B today, but we're not quite there yet, and so we need to bolster that. And we can go one or two ways. We can either build all this out in house, and that might take five years, or we can acquire this technology that was natively built. So bundle for those that don't know, Bundle B2B was specifically engineered to work with big commerce. In fact. The company that built Bundle B2B was a big commerce agency, and that's where they cut their teeth. And so then they decided to build out a suite of tools and technologies that originally they sold only to their agency clients. And then they decided to productize that. And it was specifically engineered from the ground up to work with BigCom. So obviously, you guys recognized hey, there's a gap here. There's a product in the market that already does some B2B things super well. It's probably easier, faster, and ultimately maybe even cheaper to acquire this technology and get up and running quickly versus build this all out from scratch
1: i think you hit the nail on the head there so we've supported we've had customer groups and price lists since 2017 right that's the ability to have a different price for a different customer table stakes b2b feature and the ability to show different products and product catalogs to those customers as well 2017 and you right so in 2021 as we built b2b edition that brought in that next level of B2B functionality that we didn't have on the platform at that point in time. So invoicing, quoting, companies. It's so funny. I will speak to, we talk about all the fancy B2B functionality, quoting and buyer approval workflows and invoice management and payment 90% of merchants, of manufacturers, distributors, when they come to big commerce and they're purchasing B2B edition, the number one feature they care about is having companies, right? Being able to have multiple users wrap up under a company, being able to manage the orders on behalf of the company. And so it brought that, those functionalities into big commerce, the perfect time COVID hit and these B2B businesses, manufacturers and distributors that had sales teams that were out traveling around the country selling their wares who were suddenly locked down and couldn't travel. And so we had manufacturers who were picking up the phone. I need to get into e-commerce yesterday. (laughs) How do I do that incredibly quickly? But I need to ensure that the experience is going to be the same as it was when interacting with that salesperson. So I need to get the same pricing. I need to see the same products. If I'm requesting a quote from the salesperson, I should be able to request that quote online. And so that feature set that we brought in and we've now built on has become the core of that next level B2B functionality that we now offer through, through BigCommerce. And that's where we're seeing huge amounts of growth, both with new to online manufacturers, distributors who haven't sold online before, just bringing their product catalog online, just starting to transact. I was working with an antenna manufacturer who just went live on BigCommerce. They've doing tens of millions of dollars, but they've never sold online before. Their first step didn't involve quoting, invoicing, not even companies. It was just to bring the products online and allow quote. Actually, they did. Sorry, they did allow quoting. They, that was the first thing. They didn't transact. They just allowed you to place a quote through the e-commerce site, so you didn't have to speak to the salesperson. You, can, you can't actually go and transact. That's stage two move that to stage two and then when they're ready they'll bring all of those other features and functions in and that to me is the beauty of the way that we've built big commerce whether you're that two three million dollar revenue business or the billion dollar revenue business you're using the same platform the same feature set and as your business grows you can bolt on b2b edition and get all of that functionality but if at first you don't need it you'll be perfectly happy out of the box with, a, with an enterprise store plan that gives you the customer groups and the price lists and then the business will grow with you and we're API first but not API only and so we've got incredibly robust APIs that you're connecting at the 1 million, 2 million end into QuickBooks or into Xero and then at the billion dollar end you're connecting into SAP or a NetSuite or, or Acumatica or whatever it might be and so as, you, as your business grows you don't have to re-platform you can turn on new features and functionalities integrate with your new ERP and stick with big commerce as your front end and i think that's part of the beauty of the way that we've built the core platform and then the way that we've built b2b on top as a as almost as a microservice that you can plug in
0: yeah and i guess that that api first mentality of big commerce has been a i guess it's been a boon to maybe perhaps brands that maybe wanted to move off of a self-hosted platform there was For quite a few years there, there was a lot of attrition from Magento 1, where Magento 1 merchants maybe didn't want to move on to Magento 2 because it was too new, maybe it was too risky, maybe they wanted to move to SaaS, etc., but they wanted to still have seamless integrations with significant levels of back-office systems, ERPs, CRMs. CDPs, PEM systems, all sorts of point of sale systems, etc., where their back office operations, they largely stayed the same, but they needed to be able to have a scalable SaaS solution on the front end that they could just basically unplug Magento and plug in a new solution on the front end. I guess one of the gripes, if there is one, when BigCommerce started working with Bundle B2B, And particularly after they acquired them, it was still a separate set of APIs. It was one set of APIs for Bundle B2B, and it was a separate set of APIs hosted and run and managed and developed by Big Commerce, especially for API v3. And so obviously that must have been one of the first priority things for you guys to deal with is to say, okay, as we start to roll in all the core functionality of this platform into native BC Bundle B2B or b2b edition how did you guys start to think about moving those third-party apis off of that that third-party infrastructure into core native big commerce infrastructure particularly around hosting as you guys had migrated to google cloud services for all of your hosting and infrastructure how did you guys think about the prioritization of migrating those apis in because you guys are deployed in a headless environment in many occasions it's you guys are very popular headless e-commerce backend system, and that relies on APIs, and that re- relies on very consistent, stable, scalable, well-documented APIs.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think to start that, you mentioned something there right at the beginning, right, which is this evolution of B2B e-commerce, whether that's WebSphere, Magento, and now into SaaS. And I think that there's a step function changes as you're going through each of those steps in we're currently going through one of those step function changes. We're probably halfway through it, which is off of that on-prem open source custom platform, potentially that just sits on top of an ERP and into a SaaS world. The B2B business, the manufacturer doesn't want to be running those servers anymore. Dealing with the upgrades, dealing with the security patches when there's a problem, etc. and they are looking for a platform that can Bring all of that to the table. SaaS is the answer. And in my view, open big commerce SaaS is the answer for manufacturers and distributors looking to make that step. As we brought in, to your point, as we acquired Bundle B2B and then brought it in, first of all, we focused on, on quality. Everyone looks to big commerce to have incredibly great uptime, to have incredibly strong APIs. And so that's where we focused. Where do we need to make changes to the base and core code? of the application such that we can meet big commerce's expected standards and make sure that merchants are getting the quality that they need and so we spent a long time really focused i say we obviously not me our engineering and product team spent a long time focused on on refactoring that code and ensuring that it was up to the standards in terms of the APIs, we actually do still have two endpoints. So there is a big commerce endpoint and a a bundle B2B or a B2B endpoint. it's actually gonna move into a big commerce address, a big commerce API endpoint very soon. So I don't wanna pre-announce that and give a date, but it's happening in the very near future. And we're working on that right now. It wasn't an immediate top priority. We've got, as I said, 850 stores live that are happily using the API endpoints that we've got today, and unifying them is obviously going to be important moving forward, but was certainly not that kind of number one priority. We wanted to set up, as you said, we're built on a very scalable cloud infrastructure, build on that cloud scalable infrastructure for our B2B features and functionality, and that's enabled us to get to the point in May where we were able to have, I would say, our first big meaty release since the acquisition and really deliver new features and functionality for our, our merchant base and for prospects. And so now that we've, we've integrated, now that we've built and rebuilt a fair chunk of the underlying infrastructure, We're able to now iterate much, much faster on new features and functionality. And so I'm really excited for the coming months and into next year. We've got a jam packed roadmap ahead of what we already delivered as part of what we call big launch on May 1st, where we announced kind of three big feature releases, multi-storefront compatibility, headless compatibility, you mentioned headless and our brand new buyer portal kind of saving the best for last there, which we've reimagined what that buyer experience should look like. And we can probably talk about that one for hours.
0: Yeah, look, and I think you you raise a really good point here, which is that anytime you acquire a technology, there is so much work to be done to not only bring in the code and bring in the functionality, but to also bring in the look and feel to make it more consistent with a traditional big commerce backend look and feel. So for those that don't know, Bundle B2B was effectively an app that plugged in, and you would actually go into the apps section of the back end of Big Commerce and see the Bundle B2B install and configure it there. And it, it was treated as an app. But slowly but surely, that is is bringing a lot of that functionality is now being brought into more core. So instead of going into the apps section, you can go into the admin section for some of those B2B functions. And some of those are very now, especially with the new UI components. They look it, it may as well be native yeah. functionality. You,
1: yeah. We completely rebuilt the app in big design, which is our design philosophy. So it looks and feels like you're still in the big commerce control panel. You haven't left it. There's a nice B2B edition logo at the top that reminds you that you've, you've got that B2B functionality and you're looking at companies and invoices and quotes that obviously those that haven't signed up for B2B edition won't have access to, but it looks and feels like a big commerce part of the big commerce control panel. And as you say, when you. Whenever you make an acquisition, you're always looking for that lowest hanging fruit. That's going to have the greatest impact for users uh, and also developers, agencies like yourselves who are integrating and implementing the platform. How do we make that as, as easy as possible? And so quite rightly, as you said, we redesigned some of the backend into big design. And then we recently released our new buyer portal, which is, as I said, the new buyer interface. And we take over the account page of a merchant's site. And the way I like to describe it is it looks and feels like you, the merchant, have built a custom app for your buyer to be able to manage all of those offline interactions that are now coming online. So, you know, it's lightning fast to see an order and reorder it. It's lightning fast to be able to add items to a quote and then submit that quote and it's mobile responsive, right? We all know that we aren't using our desktops only for work for work activities. We take it home with us too and we're logging in on our phones as well and making that buyer experience as simple and easy as possible and making it as easy as possible for the agencies like yourselves to, to implement that experience was really a key driver behind us rebuilding a front-end buyer experience for all of our merchants. So we roll that out on May first. It's there's an upgrade path for current merchants, but new merchants are generally moving onto onto that workflow. And it's a, it's a really beautiful experience for anyone who hasn't
0: who hasn't seen it. And just to geek out for a second, is that all built on Stencil then as well, so that it's unified with the rest of the Theme Engine?
1: Yeah. So that's a great point. It's actually not. So it's actually React, which has some interesting benefits as well. So you can go and deploy that onto any site on any headless framework that you may want to. So you can take that and put it where, put that app wherever you like. So we've taken a slightly different approach to the way that we've built that experience. Again, it just allows us to, to iterate incredibly fast and then make it in the future a lot more customizable going forward for merchants that want to customize to their heart's content.
0: It makes complete sense. Obviously, there's a lot of custom front-end work being done on Stencil and you can integrate React components into the Stencil framework. But you can also, if you wanna build a completely custom front end or use Vue or use any of those other React-based frameworks, you are able to deploy those and basically plug those in as React components directly from the big commerce side and deploy those as React components on custom front ends. So I do that flexibility being built in and you're not locked into a Stencil framework and a standard BigCommerce storefront front end now one of the other things that i'm seeing in the marketplace and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this i'm seeing a whole lot of direct to consumer brands so again manufacturers distributors wholesalers that have a d2c business and they're selling direct to consumer that maybe they don't do b2b today that they're wanting to explore a b2b channel and vice versa a lot of b2b brands that don't do d2c today they've only ever done b2b but they're going hey we'd actually like to de-risk our total dependence on B2B or conversely, de-risk our total dependence on direct to consumer. And we'd like to distribute in more places through more retailers that we can work with. And so there's, I guess there's the lines are blurring between direct to consumer and B2B more than ever before. And I think that the multi storefront functionality on big commerce makes that easier. So the whole idea behind this is, hey, we can manage multiple storefronts all within one admin panel. We don't have to log out and log back in to our D2C storefront and manage it in one place and then log back out, log back into our B2B storefront admin and manage that completely separately and independently. We can manage those from one admin panel. And so I guess The idea behind that initially when you started talking about multi-storefront years ago because i've been part of these discussions for a long time it was a really important feature even if you were a pure play ddc brand but you were a multi-brand retailer then oftentimes you would have multiple ddc websites or multiple b2c websites that you would like to manage centrally but now i think that additional enhancement of being able to have both a separate b2b storefront and a separate ddc storefront on the same platform, managed through one central control panel. Man, from an overhead perspective and from a bandwidth, internal bandwidth perspective, that makes a massive difference to people being able to be successful on the platform.
1: Yeah, it's huge. There's so much to to unpack there. Where to start? I think first of all, holistically thinking about e-commerce generally, we're seeing lots of consolidation happen in the industry. In particular, in in, in B2B, it's happening. We're seeing distributors being consolidated. We're seeing manufacturers being consolidated. As a parent company of four, five, six, seven, eight manufacturers. In fact, we've got a a manufacturer of electronic parts here at Big Commerce, $6 billion in revenue. They have 96 brands. 96 brands they have to manage. That's a lot. That's a lot of products. That's a lot of, you know, that's a difficult, that's a difficult task. Multi-storefront is an incredible tool for businesses that maybe are growing inorganically and acquiring companies. I've acquired a new company. I want to bring them into my platform. I want to cross-sell. I want to upsell. As you said, integrate once. So let's talk about what is multi-storefront. I integrate my ERP, my CRM, my CPQ if I have one once into big commerce, into my big commerce backend, and I can spin up multiple storefronts from that one integration. And so I can have a B2B site, B2C site. I could have sites for different regions. I can have bespoke buyer portals. We've got merchants that are spinning up specific sites for their largest customers that are built just for them. Very bespoke experiences, right? Very customized experiences. Just built to maximize conversion and engagement. And the ability to do that all from one back end is huge. So for those that are growing inorganically Adding in a new brand and then cross selling across those brands, right? I have a customer. I have one login that I can use across all of those storefronts. It's huge. I can list the products on all of those storefronts. Huge. The company that I was talking about electronic parts manufacturer 96 brands. They have country stores and they have brand stores. And on the brand stores, they're selling the specific products of that brand. And on the country stores, they can sell all of the brands. Incredible cross sell engine, right there. And so they're able to, their projections in terms of growth through e commerce are it's ten like x growth from the first year they came onto big commerce to year two, and they're going to hit ten x growth. It's in, it's incredible. And then and then for those brands that you mentioned, manufacturers going direct to consumer right so they let's say they've been selling b2b and they've been doing it through through e-commerce they've had an e-commerce site you just want to spin up a new store that's a different separate url maybe it's branded slightly differently that should be easy and simple and it with b- big commerce we've made that as as simple as we possibly can you honestly can add a new channel pretty much with a click of a button obviously you've got to customize it and decide the products that you choose the products that you're going to sell on that particular channel But there you you go, you now have a direct-to-consumer store without having to go through the headache of reintegrating into an e-commerce platform. I think there's a lot to talk about with direct-to-consumer, spinning up a store and hoping people come to it, unlikely, so you've got to think about attracting those customers' ads. Maybe you start a marketplace. We see a lot of consumers. That's a lot of consumers, straight, a lot of manufacturers, houses, sinks, who are with both Big Commerce and Feedonomics. So they use Feedonomics. They sell through in, in the US, they sell through Home Depot and through Lowe's. So they're selling lots of first party, but they're also selling third party straight through Amazon to direct to consumer. And they use the Amazon channel as the method for doing it. And then they've got a, a store, right? They built a store on, on, on Big Commerce that they then repeat buyers. They want you to go to the store, not back to Amazon. So, once you know the brand, once they've attracted you in through the marketplace channel, can they get you onto that site and get you transacting there? And so, huge amounts that you can do both with connecting into channels, whether that's in Big Commerce, that's directly, you can do that directly through Big Commerce, or you can use Feedonomics, which is an owned platform for syndicating product data to both to marketplaces and to add channels, syndicating it and optimizing it for maximizing performance and then taking the orders back so you can process them. And multi-storefront can really allow that manufacturer to spin up as many of those stores as they like. They might be producing multiple brands and they could have a site per brand. Lavazza Coffee is a great example they launched over in the Netherlands or over in Europe. They've got different stores for different countries in Europe because they want a slightly different experience and they know that is going to increase conversion. They've used multi storefront to do it slightly different URL, different experience. So really easy to do that and built with maximizing conversion, maximizing engagement and simplifying the process in mind. And what we did on, on, on May 1st with our launch was we brought all the B2B functionality into that multi storefront offering. So. You're offering quotes, companies, you've got company accounts, you've got invoices on one storefront, but you don't have it on another. Your B2C storefront doesn't have any of that information. I was actually talking to a distributor of uh, a distributor yesterday, and they are looking at spinning up new brands and it's an absolute no-brainer. Use multi storefront, spin up that new store. And it's so simple for you. They also have, they also manufacture some of their own products. They want to go direct to consumer. They're thinking about listing on marketplaces and they're going to spin up that extra storefront that they can sell through. So yeah, it's a huge, when we think about as a company, whether you're a manufacturer or distributor, you want to attract merchants in, you want to keep them engaged, you want to convert them and you want to expand your business. And multi-storefront really brings the tools, allows merchants to, to really expand their reach and get creative with the ways that they can do it. You could test and learn with a new site and new brand and see if it works. And If it doesn't, you haven't had to integrate your ERP into a new system.
0: And I think it's probably a little bit easy for those that maybe don't understand the the technical underpinnings of making and enabling multi-storefront to work on a SaaS platform like Bitcom. I think they maybe underestimate the level of effort required to get all these pieces to work together and even down to the API level. And When we think about things like a promotional engine, for example, which you guys have worked super hard on the promotional engine of big commerce over the last few years, it's, in my opinion, one of the best, easiest to use promotional engines in e-commerce today. And the challenge there is when you move into a multi-storefront world, now we have to have an additional layer within that promotional engine. Do we want this to apply to one storefront? Do we want this to apply to multiple storefronts? Do we want different rules by storefront? And and all those subsets of functionality that normally apply to any big commerce storefront, we now have to think about the impacts of that functionality on a multi-storefront engagement or a multi-storefront design. And so I think that I think that there was a so much work and engineering time that went in, because this was being talked about. Multi-storefront was being talked about. Basically, since I started working with BigCommerce, BigCommerce was already talking about, we're looking at bringing in multi-storefront functionality into the platform. Now that took years, because there was so much engineering time and planning time that had to go on behind the scenes. When we think about things like feedonomics, because you've always supported multi-channel in some way, but now with feedonomics as well, there's additional complexity there with Bundle B2B, there's additional complexity there, additional functionality that we now have to think about through the lens of multi-storefront. How do we surface it at an individual storefront level, but also have certain rules apply across multiple storefronts collectively? Plus, how do we expose that effectively through the API layer so that, for example, if somebody has a PIM system, we can assign certain products to certain storefronts based on store ID and things like that. So I look, I don't wanna get into the weeds too much here because I think a lot of it will not be interesting to the audience, but I think it's important for people to understand that anytime you're adopting a complex piece of technology into your business, you don't want to, you're not a platform developer, so you don't want to think about that. You do. You want to just consume that as a service. And so what you want is you want to be adopting partners into your business that are already thinking about those things for you, that are bringing that technology and expending that product development time into the platform so that you don't have to. In the prior world, prior to multi-storefront, it was a lot more disjointed in the sense that if I had a PIM system, then I had to integrate independently to my five, six, 10, 12, 15 individual Big Commerce storefronts. Now, that's totally possible through an integration layer. That's totally doable, and lots of businesses did that. But over time, what Big Commerce has done is effectively by adding additional functionality to the platform, they have made it easier for brands to adopt and enhance the platform over time by taking on a whole lot of that heavy lifting that used to have to be done by third party integration platforms. Now, Big Commerce does the heavy lifting internally on behalf of. Of the merchant, and I think that is the key takeaway here, which is, whoever you partner with, whether it's for your PIM system, for your PAWS, doesn't really matter what piece of technology we're talking about here. Make sure that the partner that you work with has a really strong roadmap that is tied back to evolving merchant needs over time. I think that's (laughs) the takeaway here.
1: Yeah, you may you may correct me here and tell me I'm wrong, but I. And we believe that we are the only SaaS e-commerce platform out there that can handle B2B, B2C, multi-brand, multi-region from one integration. And so just to give the example that you were talking through, I'm a, a, a distributor. I have a thousand companies that I have as customers, right? And now I spin up, I've acquired a new company, right? And I want to cross sell all of them. How do I now give all of those thousand companies access to this new store? What pricing are they going to get? All of that has to become multi-storefront aware. And you're right. It's a, it was a huge amount of work for us to build multi-storefront. But now that we're there, the possibilities for our merchants, they're just they are amazing. They're great. And I love seeing it. I love talking to a manufacturer who's creating a new brand. We work with some guys called the Beer Bat. If you don't know them, they produce this awesome looking drinking glass, I guess you might call it, that is shaped like a baseball bat. And they do incredibly well. They work with Major League Baseball here in the U.S. They're great folks, too. They don't want to potentially want to expand into other sports, right? Let's take that idea. It's a fantastic idea. They've built an incredible distribution engine let's and manufacturing engine. Let's take that into other sports. Without multi Cricket or got a, yeah, anything, exactly. right? Cr- football anything absolutely anything right they need to spin up a new store a new site new products they've integrated the erp they just need to create the new storefront and it becomes so much easier the operation should not be a blocker to expansion and innovation in a company in expansion innovation in e-commerce and multi-storefront is it's an unblocker world's your oyster test and learn And make sure that you're not, that it's cheap to test and learn, but you can. And I think you talk about this in uh, occasionally, right? Test and learning for manufacturers by selling on marketplaces. If they want to go direct to consumer, test it out. Part of the reason you say that is because it's usually so expensive to spin up a new direct to consumer store as well. Here, you could do both because you don't have that overhead and complexity of having to integrate all of your systems. Now, of course. I'm ignoring the fact that if you're used to sending truckloads of products and now you've got to send individual products, that's a different beast. Maybe actually using Fulfilled by Amazon is the right way to go, or maybe Buy with Prime for that matter could be an interesting route to go where they're doing the fulfillment for you. You send them your truckload and they unpack it all and send it off as onesie twosies. There are other, of course, there are other considerations. But it's a, as, as a general manager of B2B, it's my job to make sure that companies businesses, manufacturers, distributors that are using big commerce can expand and grow on the platform. And multi-storefronts, being able to build a, a headless implementation if you want to have big commerce power an app in the app store so you can check out through that app. Whatever it might be is really powerful for those companies as they, they look to, to grow revenue or grow in organically through acquisition
0: and if we start to think a little bit more about the strategic priorities of big commerce as it relates to certain market segments and certain merchant needs to hit those market segments and categories how does it's a it's probably the world's worst kept secret that one of your biggest competitors in the market is shopify and it always has been especially on the two C 2 c side shopify is the 800 pound gorilla we all know that but I think that when, like, when I look back across the history of big commerce, I first started working with big commerce. B two B, sure, it was important to the business, but it certainly wasn't the priority that it is today. And certainly, from a functional perspective, big commerce has continued to pour more and more effort. They've continued to place more importance on the B two B merchants out there and their unique use cases. Things like things that that maybe we take for granted in the B two B world, like customers on the front end being able to bulk upload a CSV of their order where maybe they used to, maybe they used to email it to a sales rep and then the sales rep would take that CSV and upload it directly into their ERP to, to complete that order for the customer. And now the customer can self-serve and they can upload that directly through the front end as a PO, and then that gets lodged as an order directly through B2B edition. Simple things like that, things like being able to, in a grid fashion, add bulk products to an order because they know what the SKU numbers are that they buy on a regular basis. So they wanna just paste those in and they wanna add them to their order in bulk. That's a very different experience to a B2C, D2C customer experience on the front end, where typically it's home category, product page, add to cart from a product page. It's a totally different experience that, that those two groups of buyers expect. And as a result of that, how you guys think about those buckets of functionality for those cohorts of customers is it has to be very different. It has to be. And so I, I've seen the evolution of big commerce and the increasing focus on B2B over the last few years. And I see that as I guess, an increasing differentiator versus not just Shopify, but lots of other competitors in the market where maybe they have always had a huge focus on B2C, D2C. And you guys are really starting to really take the lead, I would say, on a bigger focus on B2B. And so this is separate to the maybe the platforms that have only ever been B2B focused. You guys have evolved to the point now where I think you've got a pretty equal focus, B2C, but also B2B. And is that because you see that as an easier way to differentiate or because you see the B2B market as having perhaps even more opportunity than B2C over the next decade or some combination of those two?
1: I think definitely some combination of all of them. But you mentioned, it always amazes me when you talk to your customers of a manufacturer and they can remember the SKU numbers and they just can type them in. And so we've built exactly like you described csv uploading and the grid up the skew and count grid upload that's built into the bioportal it's basically on every single page to make it as easy as possible for you to get through that checkout and get to and get to either either a cart get to a quote get to a shopping list i think you think about you're you're spot on nothing annoys me more i'm curious your thoughts here than when someone says b2b is is becoming it needs to be like b2c like no visa no that's just they're very different. Yes, you want to have a seamless experience like we do in B2C. I want to be able to track my shipment like we do in B2C. But let's be clear. These are very different buyer experiences. They're very different buyer workflows that the buyer is going through when they're choosing to make a purchase. And the way I like to describe it is on the B2C side. If you've got a B2C site, it is all about getting a product into that cart and checkout if the once they've left your site chances are they're not coming back so keep them there and get them to that checkout and get them to put their credit c- card number in now right whether you have to you see them about to leave you show a pop-up here's a discount 10 percent. go take it to the cart now we will we all know that's how it works that is not how it works in b2c and b2b sorry and we believe that the b2b Site Your e-commerce site is the buyer portal, but not the buyer portal of old that sits on top of the ERP and doesn't do much except allow you to pay for an invoice. It should allow you to do and to self-serve all of the offline interactions that you are used to doing over the phone online. You should A quote that originated on the phone, you should see online. An order that originated over the phone or even through EDI, you should be able to see online. Track that shipment. Press the reorder button. That's fantastic for the sales team because they don't have to pick up the phone to take the order. They don't have to pick up the phone to pay for the invoice. It's great for the buyer because we all know they want it. Digitally native buyers told us, in every survey done by every analyst over the past ten years, that this is what—not ten years, is a bit five years—that this is what they want. And this is the really interesting added benefit. And it was actually I was talking to a—they're not a current big commerce merchant, but their impact. There are sixty billion dollar revenue, construction materials manufacturer, 70% of orders come through EDI. And as we're going through the sales process, they said, we'd like to get those folks onto our e-commerce site because they send us the same SKUs every single month and they never change. And our sales team can phone up and we have marketing, but it's really hard to merchandise to them. But if we get them online. We can start. We can start to track them. We can see what they're looking at. We can cross-sell and upsell to them. And so we think of the kind of B2B buyer portal, the B2B e-commerce site, as this experience that is not just about checking out. It's about being able to self-serve all of those processes that were once offline. So your question: What made big commerce decide we're going to focus on that experience and put a lot of energy and time into that experience? One. Our base is so strong, right? Our core, our platform of API first, but not API only having robust and very strong APIs. It's built for B2B, right? You've got large carts here, high order value, potentially high order volume too. you You've got to start there for B2B. Flexible payments. No one wants a lockdown checkout or lockdown payments in B2B. We're flexible and open. Use the payment provider you like. Customize the checkout, however you like. Here's our open source checkout. Have fun, do what you like. We're not locking Mm -hmm. it down. And just from the core, I feel like big commerce has a, is a step ahead of other SaaS platforms because we're naturally built for B2B. And then like you said, the opportunity here is, here is huge. As I said, these step function changes into WebSphere, Magento. We, there is a step function change happening in B2B e-commerce as merchants move off off off-prem, move off their custom platforms and come hopefully into the open SaaS world of big commerce. And so that opportunity is one that we're grabbing by the horns and we're leading product first. Let's build the product that we know that these manufacturers and distributors need and want. And that the TAM is huge. So when, if you look at IDC data and you look at spend on e-commerce platforms and how it's growing, spend on e-commerce platforms by Direct-to-consumer B2C grows about 10% a year, B2B it's 20%, it's twice the growth rate. So there's a real opportunity to go after there. So it's a combination of the two, but I think our foundation that whilst not originally necessarily built with B2B merchants in mind, with manufacturers in mind, lends itself for, for the problems and complex nature that those distributors and merchants have to solve offline and then online as they come onto e-commerce. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Road? Where do you see where do you see the biggest growth areas at the moment?
0: I think even apart from what I'm seeing directly in the community, because I speak a lot to to B two B, and I speak a lot to the challenges of B two B and how people can solve those challenges. Just in my content, even if somebody doesn't work with me. I want to help, I believe a rising tide floats all boats, so I try to put out the best content I can that's going to help the broadest swathe of merchants as possible. And apart from that, and apart from the feedback I'm getting from my content, and apart from the merchants that I work with directly as a consultant, we see see McKinsey and some of the data they're putting out around B2B adoption. We see some of the DC 360 data, which they're pulling from some of the, the US consumer data around businesses selling to businesses and what that looks like from a growth trajectory over the next decade and what the forecasts look like versus the B2C world. I think all data points to B2B growth from a revenue perspective being far outstripping B2C sales growth and revenue growth over the next decade. And then I think if we look at the data of how many B2B businesses have adopted some form of digital commerce, whether that's EDI, whether that's a punch out, whether that's e-commerce, we still have 40%, in excess of 40% of B2B businesses in the United States doing transactions manually, meaning they have zero digital commerce in their business today at all. And so that number is quite staggering. And so when we think about what does the growth opportunity look like in the B2B commerce space, digitalized commerce of some variety, it is massive. And then when we look at the other 60%, roughly 60% that are already doing some form of digital commerce, something like 90% of that is EDI. So really the true TAM, at least speaking for the United States specifically here, and I'm sure it's similar in other countries, is that the opportunity for e-commerce, self-service e-commerce for B2B merchants is insane. It's basically in the very, very early innings of adoption by most B2B brands. And so I think that when we think about the TAM, the merchant TAM for big cost, it's massive. Or any, let's just be honest, Almost any mid-market and enterprise-targeted B2B e-commerce platform, they have access to the same – that's the same total market for them as it is for big commerce. So I think that when we think about what that opportunity looks like for the merchants, well, that same – that ties directly back to the opportunity for platforms. It ties directly back to the same opportunity for agencies. It ties back directly to the same opportunity for – opportunity for consultants because these guys are not going to go it alone. If they're doing zero digital commerce today at all, meaning they're not even selling through a marketplace for example directly out of their ERP, then oftentimes they just don't have the capability, they don't have the knowledge. They have the knowledge of B2B, but they have very little knowledge of digital channels and how to manage and implement and support digital channels. And so I, I think the opportunity is ridiculous there and I and what I'm seeing is a lot of cross-pollination and people from the B2C world being dragged into the B2B world as that foundational level of capability in these B2B businesses, bringing in foundational e-commerce capability that then they can learn the B2B nuances that they need to learn by working in those businesses. And I'm seeing vice versa. I'm seeing B2B specialists that have worked in B2B for years and years and years, but either they're maybe a little bit bored or they just want to challenge themselves, whatever it might be. And they're taking on the ownership of the B, uh, of the e-commerce channels, of the digital channels inside those B2B businesses. And they're working with the likes of agency partners across marketing and technical implementation and support. And there's a lot of knowledge transfer happening into those B2B specialists so they can get up to speed with modern digital channels and how they work. And from a technical perspective and from a marketing perspective. So I look, I think the opportunity here is insane and the what i'm finding especially as a consultant is that the competition is just less there are just fewer consultants that specialize in b2b and have a deep nuanced understanding of the of those channels there's fewer agencies that have a deep understanding and specialization in b2b there are fewer platforms that have b2b capability versus b2c d2c capability when we think of b2c you've got the wix you've got the weebly you've got the you've got every kind of platform under the sun has some form of B2C capability, but very few have good B2B capabilities. And so I think when I'm looking out across the landscape of the next decade, I think definitely the opportunity is greater for B2B than B2C or D2C, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And it's funny when I first, when we first started, when we got through to the acquisition, one of my mantras was was we have to speak B2B we have to learn to speak b2b and we, and we do a very good job of it today but bill of materials purchase order sales order what are those th- and that's part of why when someone says a b2b is needs to be like b2c <laughs> when did you ever it have needs a to be so much order? more <laughs> yeah exactly there's so much more happening there that you have to consider and to your point those that whether it's an agency whether it's a tech platform payment provider if you can speak that language and you understand the complexities of the B2B workflows, you're head and shoulders above those that that can't because there just aren't that many agencies or I think tech tech platforms out there that do understand the complexities of those buyer journeys and are able to articulate how you can solve them through e-commerce, how you can digitize that tech stack and how a platform will help to increased conversion, increased customer loyalty. And so I completely agree with you. I think there are fewer folks in just in the e-commerce world. I think if you look at a great example, how many B2B e-commerce podcasts are there versus B2C commerce podcasts out there? 10, 100 X the number, probably something like that. So I think that kind of captures it in a nutshell, actually.
0: It does. Now, look, we could talk for another couple of hours, I'm sure. And look, we'll have to get you back on again, because there was a few topics that we just didn't have time to touch on. I wanted to talk, there's a whole bunch, but I think what I'll, one of my finishing questions here, I'd love to better understand, and I think our audience would love to better understand, what are the priorities from a B2B perspective through the big commerce lens over the next 6, 12, 18 months? Is there one, two, three pieces of functionality that maybe you don't do today that you go, hey, these are priorities, these are things we're getting asked for every single day that we think we need to deliver as a platform that we need to own and be responsible for, or are there things internally that you just go, hey, in order to help further set us apart from maybe some of our other competitors in the marketplace, we feel like we just, we need to do this and we need to get ahead of the curve of perhaps even some of the things that our customers aren't asking for yet because they haven't even thought of it yet. So what are the priorities for big commerce, for B2B, over the next, say 18 months.
1: Yeah. I'll focus on the B2B side as so I think that's what folks want to hear about. As I said, we launched our brand new buyer portal on May 1st. That's the buyer experience. We're going to flip the lens and now we're going to focus on the sales team experience. So we've, we've built what I think to be what the best buyer experience on the market for any, for a SaaS e-commerce platform. We're now going to go and crack the nut that is the sales team tooling. So how do you make your sales team as efficient? as possible? How do you make them as highly leveraged as possible? They have a dashboard where they can view all of the orders from all of the companies that they're responsible for. They can see the deals that they've closed. They can see the messages that have come in from those customers. They can see the quotes that are coming in and that they need to respond to all in one dashboard. Now, of course, for those customers out there that have a CRM, they'll connect their CRM in and we're not going to tell them they shouldn't do that. But for those that don't, we want to supplement that tooling. Right. Today you can in Big Commerce you can masquerade as a salesperson. I can masquerade as the customer I can place orders on their behalf. We kinda wanna turbocharge that and take it to the next level. Customers are asking us for it and have been for a little while, but I think they're gonna be really impressed with what the team have, have, have been able to produce and are building on that side. Quoting functionality, we're gonna we're gonna go look under the hood and we're gonna rebuild some of the quoting functionality allowing for completely customizable templates when you're sending out a quote messaging back and forth that's sending notifications almost like ms smsing instant messaging built into quotes to make it faster and easier for the sales team to respond that quoting tool can be a huge top of funnel attraction tool for customers i mentioned the antenna manufacturer who only takes quotes through their site it's that's top of funnel so the faster you can get responding to that quote, the better. And so we're going to make it as simple and easy as possible for folks to, for the sales team to respond to that quote. And then some, some more end stuff. So building webhooks, we know company gets created, you want it in your CRM today, that's through APIs, but those webhooks by the end of the year, we should have those spun up. So you won't need to, and they'll cover most of the APIs that, that, that we have today. And for those who are familiar with Big Commerce, we're taking the, the company's object that we have today that lives for B2B Edition, and we're going to put that into the core of Big Commerce so that it just has some more flexibility around it that you can use, you'll be able to use it for things like customer groups. So bring companies together as groups so that they can wow. see and customer specific promotions, except, oh, sorry, company specific promotions within those customer groups. It'll make it easier to sync up with the ERP. So I'm quite excited about that development as well. There's
0: a few things. Wow. The, the, these are not small things. They sound small when you say them fast, but they're certainly big, heavy engineering lifts to make them happen. And But they're all things that will significantly enhance the merchant's ability to merchandise to those B2B customers in a more granular segmented way instead of treating them all the same. And you're right. I think that In the B2B world, you never have just a customer. You have an organization that you're dealing with. And then as employees of that company come and go or as they expand the team or as they create tiers of buying responsibility within the business or category-specific buyers, et cetera, it starts to get really complex really fast when you want to make sure that you're really clear about who can buy from which location and ship to which location and uh, th- there's just a lot of complexity when you're dealing with an organization as an umbrella as opposed to one single customer with one single email address in the D2C, B2C world. So there's a lot of complexity that goes along with that. So it's super exciting to hear that you're addressing that at the core foundational level of the platform, huge development there. So look, thank you so much for being so open and honest and transparent about the history of some of these things, plus the future-looking framework of what Big Commerce aims to be—the aspirational side of BC and where they want to go with the B2B functionality—I think this sometimes can t- take longer than we think, just because if we have big aspirations, it's big work, right? Big Commerce, big aspirations, big work to make it happen. Look, I, I have a huge amount of respect for any platform vendor that that really is trying to shift the needle in a significant way. A lot of product development effort required to make that happen. So big respect to the big commerce team and engineering in particular. Look, I know that with the economy being cooled off intentionally by the central bank, central banks all around the world, but particularly the fed the United States, look, it's, I think we're all up for a challenging. We've already had a, probably a pretty challenging last six months or so. And I think we're probably going to see some challenges moving forward, but if you guys can continue to innovate, if you can continue to differentiate, then look, I don't have any concerns for big commerce moving forward now. I'm very lucky, I, we're now at the point of our conversation where I get to flip the script, I get to hand the microphone over to you, and I get to let you ask me one question, any question you like, personal, professional, whatever you like. So I'd love to hand the microphone over to you and let you ask me any question you like.
1: Yeah, sure, as, a, as an agency, I get, you get to see a lot of different, both B2B manufacturers, distributors, and retail businesses. If you were to go and start a business tomorrow that wasn't e-commerce, wasn't an agency, but was an e-commerce, whether that's B2B or or direct to consumer retail, what in, what, what sector would it be in? What sector excites you the most at the moment in, and it can be B2C as well. If, if you don't have one in the manufacturing or distribution space.
0: Look, I think I would probably – it's one of the most competitive spaces, but I think it's one that is pretty ripe for disruption is consumer packaged goods. I think that there is – there are so many really seriously entrenched players in this space that I think disrupting in the space – Influencers today are spinning up brands and stars are spinning up brands and spinning up new energy drinks and everything else. But I think that the beauty of CPG is it by definition lends itself to both having a D2C channel and a B2B channel out of the gate. And so when I think of direct to consumer and how I differentiate that from B2C is that it's a manufacturer, wholesaler, or distributor selling direct to an end consumer versus B2B a manufacturer, a wholesaler, distributor selling to another business. And I just think that consumer packaged goods, I think that in the, the fact that they are consumables, almost exclusively consumables by definition, I think having that repeat purchase built in when you build a brand that's strong in that market, not only is it, are those two channels by default opportunities for you, so D2C, B2B, but you have automatic potential repurchasing built in. I wouldn't want to go, for example, and start a mattress company that has a repurchase rate of a decade. That doesn't interest me. I don't want to be the next Casper or Eight Sleep or any of those products. I would want to be in a space where maybe in the health and nutrition space, I think would be something a consumer packaged good in the health and nutrition space. I know there's a lot of competition in all these, all consumer packaged goods. There's a lot of competition, but I just think they so lend themselves to repurchasing customer loyalty. If you do a good job, and having both those channels out the gate without necessarily having to have physical retail to augment it out of the gate, I I just think that feels like a huge opportunity right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. Built-in repurchasability, that is key. Build a product that lasts forever and you're not gonna be in business for all that
0: long. That's exactly right. Listen, Lance, I have seriously enjoyed our time together. If people want to learn more about big commerce, I'm guessing they just go to bigcommerce.com is where you'd point them. If they want to reach out to you, Lance Owide, it's they best to just go to and I'll spell your surname, but also link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so that people can go connect with you on LinkedIn. But is LinkedIn or is Twitter, where is it best for people to get a hold of you if they want to have a chat about e commerce in general or big commerce or B2B? How can they best get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn is the best channel. I love hearing from merchants on big commerce, not on big commerce, those that come up with fan- fantastic ideas. Do reach out. I'd love to connect. Set up some time. I'll ping you a calendary link and we'd we'll get some time scheduled. So, yeah, LinkedIn to the place.
0: Love it. And it's Lance, L-A-N-C-E-O-W-I-D-E if you're looking for him on LinkedIn. But again, I will put his link directly in the show notes so you can just click through straight to his LinkedIn profile and send him a message. Lance, I've really enjoyed our conversation. We've covered a lot of ground in just over an hour. So super appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy man. I'll let you get back to building B2B edition over at Big Commerce. Thanks for your time, mate. Talk to you soon. If you're into B2B commerce and you would like to be a guest on B2B Commerce Corner, simply go to ecommerceedge.net, click on more info, then click on be a guest and fill out your details and we will get back to you straight away.